Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, in which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Good morning. We're in Romans chapter 2, but keep your finger in Ephesians there. We're going to be coming back. Romans chapter 2, we've been introduced to our third sinner in the first two chapters. The beginning of uh, chapter 1, he introduced himself and then presented the gospel. And then at the end of chapter 1, he started talking about the wicked sinner who was very open and public about his sin. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, he talked about the, uh, the moral sinner um, who tried to do things sinning secretly, quietly, so that nobody would know about it. And then he came, end of chapter 2, talking about the hypocritical sinner, who said good words, did good things, but did not know God at all. And that's what we're talking about today. So, try not to... Apply this to yourself, unless you are one of those hypocritical sinners in this room. But the passage is talking about how to recognize who the hypocrites are. So here we go. Remember last week, we talked about in verse 21, who teaches another, do you not teach yourself, you preach that one shall not steal, and you steal. You say to one not to commit adultery, yet you do commit adultery. 
You abhor idols, but you rob temples. We talked about the three things a hypocrite does. He longs for things he does not have. He lusts for pleasure that he's not allowed to have. And he loves money. Then we talked about the consequences of being a hypocritical sinner. In verse 23, you who boast in the law, though you're breaking the law, you dishonor God. And the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Personally, they will not glorify God with their life. And second, they will not fulfill their mission to the world. They will not fulfill their mission to the world. Now, what we're doing in this chapter, at the end of the chapter, is we're talking about all those people that think they are good enough to make it to heaven. They think by doing good works, they'll get to heaven. Here you go, they took a poll. Catholics, Presbyterians, and Methodists. Catholics, Presbyterians, and Methodists. Guess what they said? 88% said you get to heaven by doing good things. You get to heaven by doing good things. Most people believe that people are generally good and will do enough good things for others during their life, they'll earn a place in heaven. This is exactly what the hypocrite believes. They believe if they do something good, it doesn't matter what they think, what they feel about the person or the emotions they're having, they think if they do something good, God will outweigh the good things compared to the bad things. And of course, you'll have more good things than bad things. And you'll get to go to heaven. This is exactly what this hypocrite believes. So now, chapter 2, verse 25. For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision condemnation. Here it comes. What will keep a hypocritical sinner secure on his path to eternal separation from God? What will keep him on the path for eternal separation? By the way, notice the picture? The little road? Doesn't look like it's headed to heaven, does it? Nothing but dark clouds there, huh? Like that one? There you go. What will keep a hypocritical on this road? Thinking that he's going to heaven by doing good things and eventually, though, will find out they'll be judged and sent to a lake of fire and darkness and separated from the presence of God. First, first thing we learn in this verse, trying to do good works at the same time you're breaking the commands of God. Trying to do good works and breaking the commands of God. By trying to do something good that you think is good, by the way, you determine what is good. And then, at the same time you're doing that, you break the commands that God has written in his word. This is the person who puts value in circumcision. The Jewish people were given the command through Abraham to be circumcised. They were commanded 
by the way, it's a great picture. They thought that foreskin would keep them from being clean. And removing it, therefore they would be clean. Now this is a good picture of how sin <laughs> makes you unclean for heaven. But it's just a picture. It's an outward act. The outward act itself did not save you. Although the Jewish rabbis did teach that if you were circumcised, that Abraham would keep you from going to the lake of fire. That's what they taught. Because you're circumcised. So, when you're a little baby, and you're on your eighth day, you're taken to the priest, and he circumcises you. And somehow you think that act in the past, long, long time... By the way, anybody remember the eighth day you were born? No. Okay, good. Thank you. The eighth day you were born, you look back on that event thinking that saves you. Now, we know from the New Testament that that does not save or do anything for you. Just like trying to do good things and still being a sinner. If you're doing something, quote-unquote, you think is good, the Bible says it's like filthy rags. It is still sin. It is still sin. Here we go. Circumcision was a simple seal of the covenant God had with Israel. This is the first mention of circumcision in the book of Romans. We'll cover it 15 more times as we go through. If you practice the law to do something by habit, circumcision is meaningless unless you keep the rest of God's commands. The way you do it is not by being circumcised. For instance, here's a picture of a baby given to a rabbi and being circumcised. This event does not save you. If you grow up from this act and still commit transgressions against the law, you will be seen as an uncircumcised person. Transgressor of the law, the Jew loses the privileges gained through circumcision and being a part of the covenant with God, and you do not obey the law. You're a sinner. Circumcised has become uncircumcised. The Jew is just like a Gentile with no privilege at all. Now, if you're in Ephesians, turn to chapter 2 of Ephesians. Now, in our day and age, there are a lot of benefits you can have. Some of you were raised in a Christian family. That's a blessing. Some of you, when you were little, went to Sunday school. That's a blessing. Some of you, you went to youth group. That's a blessing. Some of you went to camp. That's a blessing. But these activities do not save you. You can go to camp as much as you want. You can go to Sunday school as much as you want and never be saved. You could be baptized and still not be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. 
Therefore, remember that formerly the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. First thing you learn is the hypocritical sinner is separated from the law of God. If you're a hypocrite, you are separate from God. Verse 12. Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, and having no hope and without God in the world. Make sure you follow the list here. Hypocritical sinner is separate from Jesus Christ. Hypocritical sinner is separate from the promises to the nation of Israel. The hypocritical sinner is separate from the covenants. The covenants. There were about 12, there were 12 covenants given to Israel. Six of them God has already fulfilled. Six of them still haven't been fulfilled and will be fulfilled. But those relationships aren't dependent upon your outward actions. It's dependent upon your heart. Uh, notice another thing. Hypocritical sinners separated from hope. Hypocritical sinners separated from God. He has no relationship with God because he's doing things in his own fleshly power. Turn back to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, Paul's trying to get you to understand that a wicked sinner, a moral sinner, and a hypocritical sinner are all sinners. Are all sinners. And if you can think back to your life before you were saved, you were one of those three type sinners. Verse 27. And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who through having the letter of the law and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? In other words, he's saying there's a Gentile who's not circumcised. If he was to keep the law, he would be an example against you who had circumcision and the letter of the law, and you rebelled against the law. The Gentile would be in a better place than you are, even though you had the outward signs of being a member of the covenant. He keeps the law. That's a very word, interesting word. Complete, fulfill, execute, perform. It's a different word in the verse 26. It means, he has three words here, talking about practice, to keep, to fulfill or complete. It's talking about who this Gentile is. Now, some people get off track here thinking about who this Gentile could be. I personally believe that he's maybe thinking about future Gentiles who are believers and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Or he's maybe thinking about Jesus Christ, who was God and fulfilled the law, but he was Jewish. So, He's maybe talking about some future believer. Because we know that you cannot keep the law. The law shows your sinfulness. The law shows your sinfulness. The only, meet, the only way to meet the requirements of the law is by supernatural power from the Holy Spirit. 
he will not judge you. In other words, he'll be a witness. If there was a Gentile who could keep the law, he would be a witness against you, circumcised and law-keeping people. The hypocritical sinner is condemned. He has great advantages, and those advantages give him more judgment. He is judged harshly. <clears throat> Now, I'm going to sound like a politician, and I don't mean to, but I'm sitting the fence on this, and I don't mean to. But you know, there are some churches that do an altar call every Sunday. And do an altar call, say, come down forward, I'll pray with you, and then whatever it is you came down forward, God will solve, and you'll be great. Now, uh, I think sometimes altar calls are important when you have a lot of non-believers in the auditorium. But I sometimes think if we had an altar call every Sunday that somebody would misuse that thinking because they came forward that they dealt with some spiritual issue. Okay? So I try to make sure that you make altar calls in your heart before God. I don't want you to get caught up with an external idea when it has to come from your heart. Your heart needs to be convicted by the word, and then you in your heart need to correct the situation between you and God. There is no need for another person or another action to keep you from making that commitment to God. Okay? Now, I think there are some things we do Symbolically, for instance, Lord's Supper. We don't take it every Sunday. We don't take it every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. We don't take it every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We don't do that. We pick one day a month to do it. Now, you don't believe that you're going to heaven because you drink grape juice and a cracker once a month. Don't shake your head that you believe that, okay? Because that is just a symbol, okay? Just like being baptized. Just because you're being baptized, the act of being baptized does not save you. You may get cleaner, the dirt may wash off you, but other than that, you come out the same. Except when your heart is in it first. When your heart is in it first, baptism is one of the most special days in your life. If your heart is in it, then communion is one of the best Sundays of the month. If your heart is in it. And the way you have your heart correct is by allowing the Holy Spirit to control your heart. And then you, in obedience, do something that your Holy Spirit-controlled heart wants you to do. Then it means something. Then it means something. Then it means the world. Romans chapter 2, verse 28. Verse 28. 
For he is not a Jew. I'm missing my slides. Come on, slide person. Would you get going? Number two. Trying to do actions of a Christian and at the same time breaking the commands of God. Trying to do the actions of a Christian and breaking the commands of God. When you are breaking the commands of God, you're not keeping the law. If you're uncircumcised and you keep the law, you are benefited and you will actually stand as a judge even though you don't have the law or circumcision. Number two, trying to do things, do actions of a Christian and break the commands of God. That is a negative. You don't want to do that. Third, verse 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. In other words, number three, trying to do public things that chosen people of God do, and at the same time break the commands of God. You cannot be in a state of pleasing God if you're doing things that you think will please God, and you are breaking all the other commands in His Word. He is not a Jew who's one outwardly. It doesn't matter how you are outwardly. It doesn't matter how you look outwardly. <sighs> now listen. Okay, here, here you go. I'm not going to step on your toes. I don't mean to. Here you go. Here you go. Listen. With grace, listen. It used to be you'd put on your Sunday best to come to church on Sunday. That doesn't change your standing before God. Even though you may look more appealing as I look out in the crowd if you are in your Sunday best. But it does not, the outward does not change your inward. You could be dressed in a good three-piece suit and be the biggest sinner in the room. You can have the best, newest, most expensive dress and still be the greatest sinner in the room. God is not impressed with your outward appearance. For instance, I got a picture here for you. Here you have a couple of, actually three Jewish leaders walking down the road. I wanted the picture from behind. This is good. You see the two guys with his back to you? He's got the white shawls on, the two guys in the white shawls. Those are called kittles. And they are knee-length cotton robes worn by Jewish prayer, prayer leaders. So they were the prayer leaders at the service, at the synagogue. And they're walking home. The Orthodox Jews wear those when you lead prayer time. Guess what? When you look at them, you can tell who was the prayer at the church. Their outward appearance, you can see it. The Orthodox Hasidic Jew is on the right side. And you can tell he's got the He's got the sideburns that dangle down. He's got the long black jacket that he wears to church. And he's got the, 
the fedora hat on top that he wears to go to church so that you can know who the religious Jewish person is going to Sabbath synagogue. In uh, North L.A., I went to a Jewish synagogue. And I got there, or trying to get there early, and I got there early, and as, everywhere I went, I saw guys in black outfits like that walking down the street. And I beat them to church because they were walking, and I was driving. Of course, they can't drive on the Sabbath. You know who they are because of how they look. I'm glad we don't have something like that for you guys. That you have to come in with a certain outfit so that we know that you belong to Cumberland Bible. Well, wait a minute. Maybe we should. That's a good idea. Maybe we'll get shirts for everybody. Maybe we'll get blouses for the women. Cumberland Bible. What? Do you see? And the silly thing is, some people think they are chosen by God because of what they wear. And God does not care what you wear. He cares about your heart. You can fool me, but you cannot fool God. Cannot fool God. Romans chapter 2. Let's go back up. We skipped the verse. Verse 26. Verse 26. Now, so if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? What changes, what will change, what will change the life of a hypocritical sinner to a new narrow road that will result in eternal life? What will get him off this road? What will get him off this road? Here we go, number one. Being a spirit-filled, obedient child of God. Being a spirit-filled, obedient child of God. The uncircumcised person must keep the requirements of the law. He must keep the obedience aspect to what the Bible says. The way we do that is by being controlled by the Holy Spirit. By being controlled by the Holy Spirit, we're able to have the power to do what pleases God. Without the Holy Spirit, we're dead. And we cannot do anything that pleases God. The uncircumcised. This is a, a slang word. This is the slang word the Jews would use of the Gentiles. Literally foreskin. They call them foreskin. The man keeps the requirements of the law. He watches guards, keeps it, keeping it perfectly. The non-believer cannot keep the ceremonial law or the civil law, but he will try to uh, keep the moral law of God in the Old Testament. God looks at the heart. If he looks at your heart and you're being obedient because you're spirit-controlled, he will view you as spiritually circumcised. He will regard you, future, passive. It will be done by God. He will describe you, anoint you, reckon you, impute you as righteous. 
The Gentiles who observe the commands will be reckoned righteous before God on the last day. Remember the point of the chapter is how sinners sin. Not necessarily how believers are saved. We'll get there. Chapter 3. The end of chapter 3. We'll get there. Here we go. Verse 29. Verse 29. But he is a Jew who is the one inwardly. Inwardly. And circumcision is, of, is that which is of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. What will change the life of a hypocritical sinner to a new narrow road that will result in eternal life? Number two, being a changed person inwardly by the power of the Holy Spirit. By being a changed person inwardly by the power of the Holy Spirit. He will, he will be a Jew, God's chosen people, by the power of the Holy Spirit, inwardly, of the heart. The saved person will fulfill the law because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You will keep the law by the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the Gentile who finds the gospel, the Jewish hypocrite, will reject the gospel. Circumcision, which is of the heart, a heart that's separated, dedicated to God. The true mark of God's child is not an outward symbol, what you wear to church, if you've been baptized, if you take communion, but it is what your condition is of your heart. Do you have a godly heart? 2 Corinthians 3.3 says, Being manifest that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. When you are saved, God writes on your heart. And the Holy Spirit comes into your life. The Holy Spirit is used instead of ink to write down the laws you're to commit and obey. Third, what will change the life of a hypocritical sinner to a new narrow road that will result in eternal life? Notice, by the Spirit, not by the letter. By the Spirit. Being Spirit-filled, dedicated, born-again believer. I put as many adjectives as I could in that answer. Being a Spirit-filled, dedicated, born-again believer. By the Spirit. Your cir circumcision of the heart comes by an operation of the Holy Spirit. Not by a rabbi. Not by a pastor, not by a Sunday school teacher. You are saved because of the work God does in your heart. Works are rejected. The works that should come out of your life are fruit that's shown by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 29 13 says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are far from me. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. Galatians 3, 5, 3. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under the obligation to keep the whole law. If you do not want to be saved by grace, you want to then be saved by works. Good. 
Here's the requirement to earn your way to heaven. You have to perfectly keep every command in the Bible. Perfectly. Forever. The Friday before you die, you covet something, you're done. You're done. One sin, you break. You break it. You break the commands. You break everything. You ruin it. By the way, you can't go 24 hours. I challenge you. <laughs> Without sinning. You want to be perfect? You want to be accepted by your works? You have to do exactly what Jesus Christ did while he was on this earth. Do everything perfectly under the law. You and I can't do it. You have to keep the law perfectly. Verse 29. By the Spirit, not by the letter of the law. Third thing, and fourth thing, and His praise is not from men, but from God. Fourth, what will change the life of a hypocritical sinner to a new narrow road that will result in eternal life? Being a spirit-filled believer who will be rewarded by God. Who will be rewarded by God. One day you'll stand before God. You'll either stand before a great white throne and be judged, or you'll stand before a bema seat of Christ and receive praise. That's the two choices you have. The true believer's reward of praise comes directly from God. A hypocrite, a hypocrite wants praise from men. He'll do everything he can to get praise from men. I had a friend, a high school friend. His name was Jeff Disney. Jeff Disney was my friend in junior high. Then he went to high school. I don't know what happened, but he turned weird when he turned to high school. He... He, he volunteered for every single club in high school. He signed up for everything, everything to be elected. He signed up for it. He, his desire was to be the most popular person in high school. And the, last, the next three years, he did everything he could to be the most popular kid in high school. What he did was he left me and our church and God he wanted to be popular. He no longer wanted to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He made the decision to follow the praise of people rather than the praise of God. You know, listen, 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 listen. Listen. I don't care how much praise you get from people this week. I don't care. But I care how much praise you get from God. That's what I care about. I want you to get more praise than any other Christian in America this week. I want us to be dominant in the top 10. I want us to be in the top 100 praised Christians in America. That's my goal for you. 
I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what the Holy Spirit says and be obedient completely. I don't want you to get praised by anybody but God. Hear me? Hear me? That means you've got to know your role that God has for you here. You've got to know your role, what God has for you at your home. You've got to know your role that God has for you at work. And you've got to do it. Not by your power, but by the Spirit's power. You've got to do it. Here you go. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Write it down. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit, both joints and marrow. That's pretty intense. But notice the last point. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart. God knows your heart. If you need to confess the sins that are going on in your heart, confess it before you leave this room. Confess it. Get right with God. What's in your heart matters. Matthew 5.20 says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Your righteousness must be better than the Pharisees. Your righteousness needs to be better than the Pharisees. Your, oh, put it this way. Your righteousness has to be better than pastors. You have to have righteousness. Surpass that of a hypocrite. He does a bunch of good things so he get praised by people. You have to do things to get praised by God. That's what you want. Application. Will I stop any hypocritical actions? By the way, this is our biggest temptation to sin, to do something hypocritical, okay? And it happens usually when we leave church and we're talking in the parking lot. Because <laughs> we'll say something spiritual. And we'll be a hypocrite. Will I stop any hypocritical actions so that I can tell people about the change in my heart as I obey him from a position of love and thanksgiving? Will I, in my heart, be changed because I apply the word of God to my heart and I live a life led by my heart and the Holy Spirit's power so that I will practice and be different because of my heart? And will I let people in to my heart so I tell them how you can get to heaven? Here you go. Survey. How do you get to heaven? <laughs> you ready for this? Okay, here it comes. How do you get to heaven? Here's a quote from a guy from New York. God wouldn't send you to hell. God would not send you to hell. That's how he gets to heaven, by not being sent to hell. Here's another one. Guy from Boston. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Guy from Miami. He says, you have to believe in God. Well, the Bible says demons believe in God. Hmm. They're not going to make it. How about New York? There is nothing I can do about it. 
Well, that's wrong. There is everything you can do about it. Los Angeles, got to bring them in. I don't dare say I know I'm going. <laughs> that's too bad. San Francisco, here you go. Good place for this answer. You got to keep the Ten Commandments. Okay? That's not, by the way, if you've never been there, they don't do it. Okay? Boston, here's another guy. How I live my life being kind to other people. It doesn't matter how many kind you are to people. It doesn't get you to heaven. Here's another one from Boston. I couldn't care less. That's sad. Here's one from Gainesville. You have to be a good person. Well, that's, that, that's tough since there are no good people. San Francisco again. I feel I go to hell. Yeah, yeah, probably the closest. Listen, every, okay, not every person, but I'd say 95% of the people you'll meet this week need to know the true way to heaven. It's by faith in the promises of Jesus Christ, committing yourself to him being your master and being obedient to his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> Faith and repentance. You have to share with them what's going on in your heart. You have to. They're looking for answers for their hearts. Their hearts are getting more and more callous every day goes by. You've got to share with them what's in your heart, what you love about God. <laughs> why you want God's praise, why, why, why? You share it. The next Sunday, bring them to church. We'll fill this place up. Biggest decision you'll have is which service to go to because we've got five of them because we don't have enough room. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you be with us. In this chapter, chapter 2, we've learned nothing, nothing, nothing good about sin, Father. That everybody is a sinner and falls short of the glory of God. Father, we know what the law requires. It requires perfection. We cannot do it. We sin, we sin, we sin. We can only be saved by grace and mercy of God that will change our hearts, that will make our heart of stone into something alive. From a live heart controlled by the Holy Spirit, we can live under the law, in obedience to the law. We can do the work you have for us, in the power you have for us, allowing the Holy Spirit to produce in us good works that you've prepared beforehand for us to do. So Father, help us this week to live not as a hypocrite, but as a believer in Jesus Christ. Help us to share our hearts with other people that need to know there is one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ the Lord. I pray, Father, we would be, we would be confident in how you're changing our heart for your glory and honor, and help us to tell as many people as possible what works in our heart. 
It's Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for this time in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.